Hello, this is Daryl Fairchild, and um, thank you for tuning in for our work in progress, both the Facebook Live and podcast, looking at things here in Dayton, Ohio, where we're trying to build a, uh, a community of learners that's interactive and respectful as we look at some of the tough issues and uh, opportunities and challenges that we have here in Dayton. I'm excited today because while we have focused primarily on uh, neighborhood development and some of the issues that we face here at City Commission, Today we're going to take a little detour um, and smell the roses a bit. There's only three days till March, which means March mass Madness is around the corner. Um, we already have flyer fever in full throttle, the season they're having, probably one of the best seasons we may ever see um, in, in a basketball college team um, here. And we've got a special guest, uh, John Lumpkin Jr who's the Vice President for Wealth Management with a local financial institution. And uh, this, um, as we come to March Madness, one of the things that I think about, um, and one of the things that gets me really engaged as a, as a um, fan of college basketball, is that every game becomes important. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Especially if you get into the tournament. Yeah, but even before then, right? Because you've got... Uh, you can think of some teams around here. Um, I'm a graduate of Cincinnati, so every game they're playing right now, they're a bubble team. And so whether they win or lose, any of these regular season games is going to impact their, their resume, as they say, for whether they'll be included as an at-large in their seeding in the tournament. Wright State, you know, the path out of the Horizon League is typically only yeah, by conference, tournament. Yeah, conference tournament. Yeah. So they're you know, working on their seating for that tournament, and then they are going to have, I think it's a four-day. Yeah, it's a whirlwind. But they should be, I think Rice State is going to be the, uh, they'll be the top seed. Yeah. Uh, I think they've only lost one conference game. Okay. Yeah, so they should, but they got to win it if they get beaten the conference. Right. You know, they, you know, so that's a they whole, make it, yeah. whole other um, set of pressures. And, you know, the Flyers look like, you know, they're set up well for their own conference tournament. They've already run won the regular season championship they're definitely going to be in so they're playing you know until they get to the actual tournament mm -hmm. then they get to that uh, win or or go home yep um part of the reason i asked uh, john to come and join us is that he has a little experience of this um, john's the last two sport lettermen at the ohio state um, university yeah i don't know there may have been i don't know somebody else yeah, I'm, I'm one of you. As not, I'm not a lot. Of, not a lot of people have done this. So. Yeah, there's not a lot that have done it, and certainly as um, sports have become more specialized, yes, it's, mm -hmm. it's less likely that, that you'll see it going forward. Your senior year, if I understand this right, was the first year of the BCS. Yep, it was. Mm -hmm. That was the first year the uh, championship game was held, the Fiesta Bowl. Um, we started off in football uh, number one, and we got upset at home. Right. Um, by Michigan State, and then we ended up not getting to play in the in the championship game. We um, played in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Yes. And did you know, because, you know, now we're out of that, we're into the four-game playoff scenario, mm -hmm. but in that BCS, by the end of it, everyone knew that it was almost like every game you had to win. I mean, you had to go undefeated yeah, that's true. to get to that, to be that one or two, and even there were some undefeated teams that didn't and end didn't up. Didn't make it, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was tough. It was, um, you didn't have, there was very little room for error um, in that era. And, yeah, you were right. there were some really good teams that didn't get a chance to play for the national championship. Um, 
you know, who knows how some of those things would have played out if uh, there would have been a four-team playoff. Uh, I, I honestly think there should be an eight-team playoff, but, um, you know, there's – I think four is still too narrowed down, but right. it is what it is. In that year, did, did you guys know that? I mean, did, did you have the sense that you had to win every game to get to that BCS championship? Well, yes, yeah, it was kind of implied. you got to, you know, run the table because it's only two spots. Um, so you have to go through and win, and then you know you lose a game at home to an unranked opponent, and it's like, man, there was still time left in the season, but you now you're saying, well, we got to win and hope everybody else loses. Right. Um, and then this, you know, then you're you're facing not in your own hand. So it's, yeah. But it is what it is. Sure. Yeah. When you were, you know, thinking back to that, what, and 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 then. This thinking about how maybe the Flyers or Wright State or other teams that would be here in the in the first four. Um, how does a, a player prepare for that? Manage the pressure and then execute in the midst of it. Oh, well, you prepare for it just like you prepare for every other game. Um, if you start trying to prepare differently um, for pressure situations, you probably shouldn't be playing in them. I mean, as you do, you have a routine that you that you do. You have a, a structure that's set. Um, well, and each team has them. Each coach has them, and you really don't deviate from that. I mean, the only thing that that changes is who you're preparing for, mm -hmm. not necessarily how you prepare for them. Okay. Um, you know, um, it's interesting that you say that. You know, you were at Ohio State. They were used to being in that at that play and at that level. I think it's fair to say that the Flyers haven't been in the top ten. I'm curious if you know it'd be interesting to talk with their coaches, their their players, to see if how that's impacting them because things change, right? You have more media attention, more pressure. They say the other team wants to give you your, their best shot. Did you have that? I mean, well, Michigan State. Did you have a sense that Michigan State came out and played you differently than they may have played someone else? Well, I think we just played a. a a poor game. Okay. I mean, not, not, not taking anything away from them in that game. I mean, they showed up and played. And we got up early. They didn't quit. We were up a couple of touchdowns, and then um, we stalled in the second half, and they came back, and we didn't score on the last drive. Okay. Um, you know, looking at UD, I mean, it is a different uh, – kind of different, I guess, if you look at it, because they're not used to being in the top ten. But if you've watched them play all season, I mean, they've played like a, a top-level team from the very beginning. I mean, they lost in overtime to Kansas and at the buzzer on the road. I mean, it's not, you know, they're not, I mean, <laughs> they're as prepared as anybody I've seen play. Sure. I mean, one of the things that, you know, me watching them, that I take away from them, they both have some highly skilled individual players, but they play very well as a team. Well, they do. And any time you've got a guy like Toppin on your team, especially in the college game now where so many people just leave or one and done and, you know, you've got this guy that's a, a lottery pick player. He's going to give you a chance in any game. Sure. Um, and that's you just sometimes you just got to have a special player. A basketball special player like him can make all the difference. So I mean, they're they're riding that wave, and he's playing. I mean, I mean lights out. I mean, I mean, if you haven't had a chance to even play, you yeah. you shoot it. Right. <laughs> um, so if you put we put your crystal ball out here, what um, kind of future do you see in terms of um, how UD will do, what you think will happen with UD, and maybe, I don't know if you followed Wright State a bit, but Wright State? Well, I know 
I know Wright State has to win their tournament. If they don't win their tournament, they're not going to get in. Right. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. Fair or unfair, that's just what it's going to be. UD is going to depend on the draw because sometimes with so much parity in college basketball right now, sometimes it's just about matchups. Sometimes you just match up against a team wrong. Um, and the NCAA has this knack for trying to, you know, stomp out programs like UD by putting them in, <laughs> in a, you know, putting them in a bracket to where they may not match up with somebody who, who doesn't have as good a record, but it could be a matchup issue. Um, but Coach Grant, how, he, how he's got them playing, and again, they got a lottery pick on their team. UD is going to be a tough out. Um, I think they'll make a they'll make a deep tournament run, and then sometimes the ball just has to bounce your way. And if it bounces their way, you know, who knows? They could be they could be playing in the Final Four. I mean, they're playing really well. They just, they just really are. I think I heard some um, NC some college coaches talking, and some had won championships, others hadn't, and kind of. Given that it's you know one game, win or lose, mm-hmm. you know it's not like NBA where you have a seven-game yeah. series. That there's an element of luck in terms of oh, a yeah. national championship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you got to be good and lucky. Yeah, <laughs> you know a little bit lucky. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. You know, one of the reasons that uh, we're talking March Madness is that Dayton plays a pivotal um, part mm-hmm. in that whole NCAA tournament. It'll be the first time I think that the city will have an opportunity to, you know, be in the national spotlight since all the um, tragedies we had last year. So it's a great opportunity for us to kind of show what Dayton's made of. But on March 15th, it'll be Selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. It'll be a big day for all those college players sitting there waiting to see who they're matched up with, where they're going, what their bracket looks like, what's their path to success. Um, have you been part of the first four before? Have you gone to oh, any? Yeah, yeah. yeah I go, I've, I've been in the first four every year that it's, uh, that's been here. Okay. And uh, I mean, it's big for the city, too. I mean, because the hoopla is going to have the, uh, you know, the festival down to Oregon again. Right. Um, good to get people back out, showing what the city really is about, and that, that we're not about tragedy and idiots going down, doing stupid things um, in places that are, are good for our, our city and all of our citizens and visitors. Yeah. What? Do you have a favorite memory from the first four that uh, if someone hasn't ever gone to one of those games, always sat there and said, oh, I'd like to do that, but never never gets over the hurdle to get actually buy the ticket and get down there, something that stood out for you? Yeah, we. Um, I took um, my son, a couple of his friends, and, and we went, and they uh, – they got to meet Clark Kellogg. So, you know, I know Clark because he, you know, played at Ohio State. And right. uh, he used to, when he was doing commentary, he would travel with us because he still lives over in Columbus. So um, that was pretty cool that the little guys got to um, meet Clark Kellogg because they don't know him as a basketball player. But they know him as, they see him on TV doing commenta- uh, commentary. So it was, uh, so that was one. And there have been some good games. I mean, the first four sure. has had some really good games. I mean, it's not just how the old playing game used to be, you know, it's, um, there's some, those 11 seeds playing each other, that's some good basketball. Right, and, you know, you get uh, four games, two on each night, uh, uh, two 11 seeds typically, mm-hmm. and two 16 seeds. Correct. Even the 16 games, I was there last year, and there yeah. were two 16 play, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, one of the opportunities they have is to get a, a win in the NCAA tournament. Yep. And be on the national spotlight, and I mean, now we we finally had a 16 upset of one. So, I mean, it's not just, you know, playing to go get murdered. Right. I mean, you're actually, play, you know, you're actually playing to go try to win, win the game. So, And I didn't look at the year, but um, there was a year that VCU played here as Correct. 11 seed. As 11. Mm-hmm. And the, 
how far did they go? They went they, final four. Did they, they went. I think they championship game. It wasn't a champion. I think they lost in the final four, but they went yeah from yeah. the first four to the final four. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that eleven that eleven seed game. I mean, because NCAA will put some teams in there that may not have necessarily had great seasons. Right. But they've got good teams where they're playing tough conferences. I mean, my Buckeyes are going to be like that. They're, you know, I think they've got them right now as a seven. But I mean, we haven't had what is quote unquote the best season. Right. But we got some good players, and it's going to be you know, nobody wants to draw a team like that in the you know in the first round. I mean, that's that's not who you want to play. And similar with my Bearcats, because I'm a Bearcat grad, mm -hmm. they haven't had the best season. They're doing all right. They look right now. They're projected to be one of the last four in. Could be here in Dayton playing in that 11 C game, and they can go either way. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of it hinges on whether Jaron Cumberland's injured or not. And nobody wants to play them either. Right. That's, I mean, that's a dangerous game for a team that just hasn't had because they could catch fire. I mean, like what VCU did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple senior players on that team and. So it could be a very exciting first four to pay on. I mean, so part of the fun of March 15th for us who live in Dayton is to see who's coming to Dayton. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, opportunity to see some really good teams that you might not be able to see anywhere else. Right. In a good venue because UD's done a good job with their uh, renovations of the arena too. So it's um yeah, yeah. it's just good all around. It's that is basketball. very true mm -hmm. around the renovation. Um, I tell you, it was really hard around uh, wheelchair accessibility in the in the building. Um, I didn't know if you ever knew, but they used to take you down that big ramp. Oh, in the yeah, back. In the back. Yeah, I know, yeah. And so they would literally have someone turn around and back you down that big ramp. Yeah, my, one of my high school coaches, he was, uh, he was in a wheelchair, and TK was the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, because it was steep. Yeah, it is steep. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's you know, so you can't, you know, yeah, you could, yeah, you'll you go can. all the way across the floor if you. <laughs> you know what that guy, you have to have a lot of trust in that person that was backing you down that ramp. Right. <laughs> Um, so some of the events around First Floor, because not just the games, mm -hmm. Dayton has taken and done a really great job of trying to create some um, opportunities around the First Floor. So on that sun, or um, there's the family celebration down. You can come down to the Oregon District, be a part of that, and uh, they'll have uh, screens set up so you can watch the selection Sunday. So if you want to see where your team's going, be around a lot of people, see where the Flyers are going to be headed. Um, you can come down for the festival down in the Oregon district. Um, there's also the STEM challenge. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with the STEM challenge? Yeah, my um, actually my daughter was uh, was two years ago. She was one of the uh, winners there. She was uh, over to Chaminade, and uh, she got to go down on the floor during the first four, and she won an iPad and everything. It was yeah, so okay. yeah, so it was yeah. All right, so. Um, your daughter's got some success there, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like her take, dad, right? She didn't yeah. fall far from the tree? Yeah, she was, um, Yeah, but she got it for STEM. She got that from her mom. Her mom <laughs> is the STEM person. I'm, right. I'm the math guy. <laughs> um, and so that's open to um, boys and girls from um, K, uh, kindergarten to 8, and it's free, and it's uh, March 15th. Registration starts at noon for that, so if people want to be a part of that. And then, uh, and it's held at Chaminade Julianne. And then I think this is new this year, a four-miler. You signed up for the four-miler? No. Okay. I'll, I'll be a guy handing out water. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be the morning of March 15th, and that's got a 9 a.m. start, and you'll want to register. There's a, I think there's still a discount if you register. Now, if you want to do any of these things, you can go to the website daytonhoopla.com. Uh, 
uh, to register. Um, you know, and there's still tickets available for the first floor. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get some tickets, you can get that off the website there, too. And uh, did you know Dayton's hosting the Women's A-10 tournament? Yeah, I saw that. I, I didn't know that uh, originally, but uh, a friend of mine whose daughter, you know, goes to a lot of UD games, I saw that they were hosting 18 tournaments. So that would be good for the city, too. It will be. Um, and that's from March 6th to 8th. And so if you want to go out and have some tournament madness uh, before, as the conference tournaments are going, that's another opportunity we have. And as a fan, it's fun. As a citizen, it's fun. A lot of opportunities. Um, but also has an economic impact. Absolutely. Which is probably the most important. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's both. I mean, it's, it's nice, nice to have, yeah. have the... Um, the play, the stature, you know, in in the sports world of being kind of the, the place where it all kicks off and having that um, being trusted, we're really kind of entrusted to do that well, and I think it says a lot because you know a lot of cities bid on that. Yeah, and it'll it, be a mistake to pull it out of here. I mean, you you take it. I mean, Dayton supports sports. Right. Um, you take that those first four games and you put them in some other city, you're going to have you know 1,200 people sitting in there, and it's going to be a disaster. Right. And it, you know, then it creates a great environment for those who are going to come and follow their teams or want to be a part of the um, the tournament and want to come. Four and a half million dollar direct economic impact for the uh, for the region, according to the um, Dayton Convention and Visitors Bureau, and it brings in visitors from out of town and, and like we were talking about, garners national attention, hmm. fills up hotels, fills up restaurants. Yep. Um, people come in and buy, and um, you know, some of those games. Like an A-10 tournament, if you're in there and your team loses, then you got to find something to do with the next couple of days, right? <laughs> exactly. So you're going around and taking out some of the visits and great sites here in Dayton. Um, you're a graduate of Trotwood, Madison. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, I, I attended Dunbar. I didn't get to graduate from Dunbar. They um, consolidated school, so I ended up back at Belmont, graduated from Belmont. But uh, Trotwood and Dunbar match up on Friday night. Yeah, it's um second time they're meeting uh meeting this season. Um, Dunbar's had a, you know, they squeaked one out. I saw both. I saw Trawood and Dunbar play both of their uh, their tournament games thus far. Okay. And um, Dunbar came back and won their first one against uh, Waynesville in overtime. So that was a thriller, and then they they beat Eaton pretty good. And Trawood ran away with their their first two games. I mean, they were over in the first quarter. Right. Yeah. No, Trawood's the juggernaut this year. They're they're really good. I mean, they're defending state champions. They've got um, two really good players, and um, you know, uh, Carl Blanton and Sam Anderson, and a good supporting cast. And then they they just got a culture out there that they're just you know they just got it going. Now you've been a part of that culture. Oh yeah. yeah at one point you were coaching with them. Do you still do some coaching with them? Well, I coach the uh, the Wee Rams now. So okay. Yeah, we um I coach the Wee Rams. We had a fourth and fifth grade team. Our fourth grade team finished second. Um, our fifth grade team won their fourth consecutive um, championship. So yeah, we we um, still supporting you know do stuff with Jeff and uh, with Coach Rock out there. You know the alumni are still very active. Just like Dunbar, Dunbar's got a good you know an active alumni. Sure. You know um, they've had an up and down season. So Dunbar's kind of in a unfamiliar role. They're kind of like the Cinderella team coming yeah. through, upsetting. Uh, Waynesville, and 
Yeah, they've. I mean, they've struggled because you know last year they had the the probation where they couldn't play in the tournament, so that that just hurt the program. Um, Coach Cole is um, he's done a good job with the guys getting them to to this point, winning a couple tournament games. This uh, Trywood's a tough out for them. They got a couple guys out too, so it's um it'll be it'll be a, a tall task for them to, to beat Trywood on Friday. You know, and you know, part of the conversation around this is that. Uh, while the flyer fever is going on, we've really got some quality high school basketball, and mm-hmm. their tournament's going on right now. And so mm-hmm. the, those young guys are learning, and women are learning, what it means to um, play in uh, important games and um, face adversity and see how they measure up in the in those opportunities. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember talking to a, a colleague one time, and he'd been a, a really good athlete. I was a, a, a better-than-average athlete in high school, um, but, you know, didn't play at the college level. And I was, you know, talking about all the hours I spent on a football field, learning how to learn skills that never, you know, translated to later. You know, I don't have to go out and throw a football today or mm. make a pitch to a running back or those kind of things. And... He reminded me that uh, you learn a whole lot of other lessons on a football field than just those sports-specific skills. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What are some of the most important skills you picked up along the way, and how do you help young people develop those skills as a coach? Or Well, one is just the, uh, you know, the, the culture of working on a team to achieve a goal. Um, that translates into business very well. Um, and then even on the individual, the individual side, being able to finish and something being hard and not quitting, um, things become easy for you. And I mean, because now you know I wear a suit and sit in a chair. I don't have to like go push some guy that weighs three hundred pounds around. I don't have to box a guy out to grab a rebound. That's, I mean, but when you learn to do those things um, and overcoming adversity, because when you play sports, you know there's adversity. Something always goes wrong in a right. game. So I mean, you got this, you know. So I, I tell my guys that all the time. I said one thing I can guarantee: something's going to go wrong. The thing is, how are you gonna how are you gonna respond to it? Absolutely. Um, so those things translate very well. And then being able to deal with different people. Um, some of my better friends now are guys that I never would have been friends with growing up here in Dayton. I mean, when I went to college, I mean, you know, you get a get a guy from you know from Dayton friends with a guy from Logan, Ohio that lived on a, a ranch, a cattle ranch. Um, so you you get to, you know, it helps you with that too. I mean, where you're, you're got people from different backgrounds and different walks of life and you all come together to achieve a common goal. Yeah. That's one of the things that I always appreciated about sports and um, probably one of the key lessons is um, you get on the field and all the other stuff goes away. It all comes down to whether you can play or not play, right? Exactly. And um, growing up in Dayton and having teammates of different races and all that gets set aside when you're teammates. Right. You've got a common goal and purpose and you got to go through adversity together. And So there were a lot of lessons for me on the, on the field that I really value. Just sports just builds character. It just really does. I think it gets um, a lot of times, especially in some of our urban schools, like in the Dayton Public Schools and in Trotwood, they're like, oh, you just emphasize sports and not the academics. And people don't understand that, one, all those kids playing those sports are academically eligible. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're usually the ones that are carrying the school, not dragging it back. And um, the other thing is the 
the fact that why not highlight something that you're good at and use that as a tool right. um, to further yourself in life, whether that be sports or music or art or whatever it might be. Um, if you're good at it, highlight it. Use it to give yourself other opportunities. Yeah, I think about one of the basketball players at Dunbar when I was there. His name was Steve Tyndall. He was a couple grades ahead of me. And uh, when I was in high school and mandatory busing was going on, there's kind of a pattern that uh, the African-American students were staying at the schools they were sent to. So even if they could go back to their home school, they would stay. So, you know, people who live in the Dunbar area got bused to Belmont, they tended to stay. Mm -hmm. And with the white students, they would tend to go back to their home schools. Steve Tyndall was a grade or two above me. And because he was going to stay, he was a basketball player. He had a relationship with the coach, Dutch Collins, back in those days, mm -hmm. and his teammates. So he was going to stay. And there were like 30 white kids who stayed because he was going to stay and because of the set of relationships he had. And he kind of was, you know, set the trend for people to stay. But Steve wasn't just a basketball player. He was uh, in the honor society, and I think he ended up being class president. And so you learn leadership skills in yep. sports, you translate, you build relationships, and, uh, and so there's a lot of skills that get uh, to build up in there. Any last comments for us as we think about the Flyer Fever, the first four, Dayton, and uh, sports? Well, I just I hope Dayton has a good run. I know a lot of people were giving uh, Coach Grant a lot of grief last year, and he was playing with a, a you know with a short deck. So I'm glad to see him and uh, and Dayton uh, go you know go be on the stage that they're on right now. And I mean I, I haven't I haven't been a huge Dayton fan until they started getting local guys like you know Chris, when Chris Wright started playing it, then I started really following uh, UD basketball, but. I want everybody to have fun, come out and support the hoopla here in the city. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, show what, continue to show what our city is about um, and that we're defined by the good things that we do, not the tragedies that, that, that happen. So that'd be my thing. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Conversation was so good. We've gone a little long. Just to wrap things up, um, our next question around neighborhood development will be looking, uh, going back to our neighborhood development, and we'll have a special guest on, Jason Segedy who's the uh, city planner up in Akron. Oh. And so looking forward to talking with him and you know, hearing what he's doing in Akron and how we might translate that here in Dayton and how a different set of eyes might help us see some things that we might not see uh, because we're here. And I want to give some special thanks to uh, Tony Bankston, Andrew Estevez, and Brian. Brian, I'm blanking on your last name. Talby. Talby. Brian Talby here helping out with us. And Laura Zek, my legislative aide. And of course, thank you to you, John, for being here with us. Hey, well, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Okay. And uh, we're going to root the flyers on, and uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Take care. Have a great day.